Well, I wish I could tell you that I wrote that song, but I didn't. <sighs> you know, it's really, it's really funny when we play a video like that, and, and there's so many truisms that are everyday life that just, you know, I know, some, I know most of the women in here caught that if a child behaves, it must be your father's DNA. Did everybody catch that? Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, welcome to Connection. My name is Matt Griswold. I'm so happy that you're here today, today with us to join us for a worship, join us for a time that we concentrate and that we, we seek to do through our songs, through, through our worship, through everything that we do, we seek to do one thing. Like Jack said earlier, um, you know, we're not talking about the king of rock and roll. We're not talking about the king of pop. We're talking about the one king because there is one and that's it. There's one king of kings and he was sent to us by his father he was put to death, he was put on a cross, he was put to death, he was buried, he died, but on the third day his dad looked down from heaven and says, I want you to, I want you to get up out of that grave. And when he conquered death, he gave us a way that we can have a relationship and we have hope. We live in a world right now that doesn't have much hope. You go to a parking, you go, you go to a, a really busy street and you park in a spot, you don't have a quarter on you, to, or whatever it is. You can use a debit card in Washington, D.C. on the parking meters now, by the way. And you, and you hope that you don't get a ticket. Or you hope this. And sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a false hope. But this morning we concentrate on a true hope. And I want to I give you a couple things before we get into the message today. Uh, by the way, if you're, if you're with us for the first time, uh, you're part of our family. There's coffee out there. Uh, the bathrooms are out around the corner. There's water. There's popcorn. You guys... Hang out with us. We're glad you're here. You're a part of our family. You're not a guest. You're not a visitor. You are a part of us today, right now. There's no, there's no process to fill out any forms. You, automatically, when you walk in, you become part of us. We want you to feel welcome. We're glad you're here. But if you were with us last week, last week we got to see some really cool stuff here happen at Connection, and we got to, we got to do our dunked party. And there's still smiles from the food that we ate, okay? Man, it was Awesome. We got, to, we, got to, we got to baptize four people. How awesome it was that? Their families were here. We got a chance to have one service in the morning. We, didn't, we, we excused our 4.30 service for that day. We asked you to go spend time with your family. I can't tell you how many times I got texted or Facebook message. I'm having, or, or just looked at these pictures on Facebook, and people were enjoying their family. You're doing what you're supposed to do. We're learning how to live life together. But if you were a part of the dunk party, you brought food, you ran to town to get food, you, 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 you clean the floors, you dump the trash, you set up tables, you set up chairs. I'm not going to have a list of everybody, but I just want you to say, I want, I want to say thank you, because it was awesome. Last Sunday, I had a, wow, it was unbelievable, and I wish I could, like, whenever these people come up to me, and, and I wish I knew what they were going to say before they say it, so I knew if I could record it or not. But what a priceless, priceless. Now think about this. Priceless thing this guy, this guy told me last week. He was there with him, his wife, and his two kids. And they ate, and they weren't even going to stay. And they're like, well, this is not for me. I said, no, stay. Hang out with us. We cannot possibly, and still haven't, by the way, we cannot possibly eat all the food that Connection people bring to this thing. There's no way. Now the chicken wings, gone. I don't know who is responsible for the chicken wing destruction, but it worked. 200 of them, them little dudes were gone. I said, I want you to stay. He comes up to me afterwards, and they were heading home. He said, he said this, just, this just, just an unbelievable God statement. He said, we have never been a part of a church that has put this much emphasis on being very real with each other. <gasps> wow. Not a, hey, we're connection, we're the Superman church. Not that. I want, I want you to, sh- to show you that what you're doing is impacting people's lives. And that's what God desires to do. I know what you're thinking. But, but Matt, all he has to work with is, is me. I know. <laughs> At Connection this morning, you're sitting beside some people all around you, if you want to be really honest, that are broken. We don't have all the right answers. We don't do all the right things all the time. And we have issues that we go to God. We're seeking to be better people. But this is the impact of a family. This was, it was unbelievable. He, he, he went on to say that he's never experienced anything like this dunk party that we did. He goes, oh, I've been part of stuff and meals at church. But this is just a cool thing. One more announcement. One more announcement. I know we're not big on announcements. The week, this week, starting from today on, it's Mother's Day. Yay. 
I'm going to take a stab and say you all have one. Come on. There's no connect groups this week. You can check out your worship handout. There's no connect groups. Again, here's the deal. Go spend time with your family. Go hang out. Go eat lunch with, with your mom. Go take somebody out. If you, if you don't, just go out. Just hang out with your family. This Saturday, May 16th, 2 o'clock, Connection is doing another community loving program. It's going to be a blast. Okay? May 16th, and I know there's graduations. I've got two that day. Okay? It's, it's a busy day, busy time of the month. If you can and want to be part of Community Loving, we are going to meet at the Roland Lewis building at 2 p.m. And, by the way, if, you're, if you want to do that, just go over and mention to Ken Jane. Hold up your hand, Ken. Just go mention to him, say, hey, I'm available, I can help. But 2 p.m., Roland Lewis building, Veterans Park. Everybody cool with that? It's an opportunity for connection, to reach out to our community. And this is cool. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do. Just show up. Just show up. Uh, wear clothes that are comfortable. By the way. We're not going to get messy I don't think. Anyway, um, but come ready, to, come ready to serve. Come ready to do what God wants us to do and reach a hand out to the community and say, we love you, and, but no matter how much we love you, we serve a God that loves you infinitely more and that can provide that hope that a lot of people do not have. Well, if you are with us just right now, just, just bow your heads. I'm going I'm to just ask God's blessing on this service. God, we thank you for what today represents. God, when we talk about our mothers, our moms, God, we understand in a group this big, there, there probably is, are some relationships that have been stressed. But God, what you ask us to do is you ask us to forgive. But God, as we focus on what a mom stereotypically is and how they choose to lose the conveniences of this life to bring life, to raise life, God, we just celebrate that. Thank you so much for our moms. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, not yet up there. I know, I know some of you, if you've taken this journey with us at, at Connection, um, if I say turn to the book of Luke, we're going to be in Luke 2. Okay, we're Luke 2. Uh, now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are seasoned Bible scholars who say Luke 2 is a Christmas story. Yep. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Matt, it's May. Got it. Got a calendar. My phone. <laughs> Not yet. We don't want, to, don't want to go there yet. In honor of Mother's Day, I wanted to do this. Now, some of you can relate. Some of you can relate every single word of the mom song, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> I like the, don't make me come down there. Oh, man, I heard that one. Ooh. I heard this one. If I, if I ever, 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 if it ever came out of my mother's mouth, and I was, you know, a block away, two blocks away at a friend's house, and she even muttered these three words in succession, I knew I was in trouble. You ready? Stephen... Matthew Griswold. I could hear that. I can hear that for like ten miles. Pretty sure. If you had a mom like me, if you, if you got all three names, you knew consequences. <laughs> but I have I had the top five things. Five top th- top five things that my mom taught me. And maybe you can relate with this. How about this? Number one, my mom taught me to honor God with my life. Now, maybe it has, that, wasn't your, that wasn't your physical birth mother. Maybe you're a female and you, have a, and you have a mentor that's a woman that's put into you. But my mom taught me to honor God with my life. Did I always follow it? No. But she taught me by example how to follow God, honor God with my life. Number two, she taught me this. Live life with people. Create relationships. Yesterday. We celebrated a, a birthday and Mother's Day t- combined. We're, we're kind of spread out, so we did it all together. And there was, there was someone that's not in our family that spent all day with us. And when, when asked, when, you know, if this person in our family that was going to ask this person, they said, do you care? And everybody's like, no, come on, bring it. We've got more food than we can possibly eat. But she taught me to live life with people and create relationships. Number three, she taught me that sacrifice was important. If you're a mom, you get it. If you're a dad, you get it. If you're trying to be a follower of Jesus Christ and and to push that envelope to be more like Christ, you understand that sacrifice is a necessity. It's not just an option. It's a necessity to grow. Sacrifice. Number four, when Mary and I had Emma, Emma's my oldest daughter. She's going to be seven in August. There's no way that's happening. Anyway, I I don't understand how old she is. But anyway, when Mary and I first had Emma, 
I was very intimidated. Man, I was a brand new dad. I was scared to death. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I remember in the hospital, my mom comes up to me and she gave me a piece of advice that some of you are going to laugh about. But it's very, very true. She walked up to me and she said, Matthew, are you nervous? I said, Mom, I'm scared to death. This person is little. I can't put like catcher's gear on it and like take it places. I don't want it to get hurt. And she said this. She said, Matthew, remember, kids bounce. I said, what? <laughs> I'm not planning on dribbling, Emma. She said, listen, they are, they are 100% way, way, way tougher than you think they are. And I learned that. We have two kids, and I can tell you that you know, they like jumping off couches, and they're tough. And my mom taught me that kids bounce. Remember, in this life, tougher than you think you are if you honor God with your life. Number five. <laughs> I don't think I learned this one altogether too quickly sometimes, but she said this. Matthew, I want you to be a good person. I want you to live your life on purpose, is what she said. But then she taught me something that's very, very critical to how I am today standing in front of you. She said this, very sternly, one time, it's all it took. She said, Matthew, we have rules in this house, and if you break them, there are consequences. That's it. And, and, and I used to say, that's stupid. I said, this, this is, this is you know, I would, I would just be that put out teenager. I said, this is, this is silly. Why in the world we haven't, why do I have to? I came home from college. Think about this. I came home from college, 19, 20 years old. Guess who had a curfew? Yep. You know, I thank my mom and dad for that, by the way. There are consequences for your actions. My dad is all, this famous line, what good happens at 1 a.m.? Okay, I'll be home. But if you have your Bibles with us, we're going to be in Luke 2. We're going to start in verse 15. Now, don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. We're in the Choose to Lose series here at Connection. Now, choosing to lose our life, to give our life, to sacrifice for God. We've been talking about things like this. We've been talking about if we live like no one else, now, later, we can live like no one else. I copied that phrase off of Dave Ramsey. He talked about finances. I was talking about spiritual matters. And by the way, handling your money is and can be a spiritual matter. Number two, we talked about serving others and giving our lives to show other people the love of Christ. You know, I, we, I could preach an entire six-month sermon series probably on the sacrifices that your mom or dad did for you, for me, for us. When it comes down to it, on this Mother's Day, I want to look at a mom from the Bible. Yeah, it's pretty obvious who we're looking at, okay? Luke 2, one mom, okay, we're going to look at her. But I want you to see through this mother's life what, what we can see in these little bitty pieces of Scripture. They're written very, 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 very shortly after Jesus left this earth, by the way. These are, the, Luke investigated the people that saw this, okay? This is close, accurate information. Archaeologists have found multiple towns that Luke talks about. Multiple Mary. We see in Luke 2, yes, it's the story of Jesus being born. If you go to somebody's house and they have a Bible out and they, and they turn it for different seasons of the year, if you go to somebody's house and it's past Thanksgiving, and I know some of you decorate your house for Christmas in like October, but if you go to somebody's house in December around Christmas and they have one of those Bibles, it's usually open up or they used to have them in front of the churches, it, was, it would be open up to Luke chapter 2, the story of Jesus being born. An angel <laughs> has come to Mary, told her that she was going to become a mother. She answers, how can this be? I've never been with a man. I'm a virgin, is what she said. I, I, I've, never, I've never been intimately sexual with anyone. And the, whole, and, the, and the angel explained how the Holy Spirit would come upon her. She would be pregnant with God's Son. And even though she didn't know all the answers, look what she said. I have it right here. It says... She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Now, she doesn't have an inkling right here. She doesn't, when we start in verse 15, she doesn't have an inkling about what it meant when she said, may everything you say about me come true. She had no idea the pain that she would see. She had no idea the rejection of her son that she would see. She couldn't have possibly known all this. 
But she said, God, I want to give you everything that I have. She chose to lose right there. Theological studiers think that Mary was probably 14 years old. This is young. In the Jewish culture, she would have been a a marriable woman. But we see that, that Mary lives her life to glorify God. When is the last time that you said this? And Listen to this. I will do what you want me to do, God. When is the last time that God has spoken to you so, so right on point and you said, anything God, I'm going to do it. See, that, we get scared at that statement. Because when we immediately say, yes, I'll do it, we step out of a normal comfort zone that we don't like to get out of. I could prove, I could prove my point if some of you are not as extroverted as I am and we could go to Walmart and I'd say, I want you to talk to five people that you have never seen before in your life. And some of you would be like, uh, no. You know, you, you go to the bathroom and you get sick. I can't do it. I can't do it. See, God says, listen, I've equipped you. I, I love this. There's, there was a verse given to me about our, about our connect groups that we have this month. Uh, and we're talking about the thread of atonement. And it was taught, we got on the subject of gifts. And a lady in our church came up to me and she said, you know, there's a verse in Scripture where it says that, that God has given us our gifts and they're irrevocable whether you choose to pick that gift off of that tree that God's given you is your choice. But when you do, you step out. Mary right here just picks the whole tree at once, in my opinion. I want to do what you want me to do. It scares us because we, don't know, we do not know the outcome. We can't see the finish line. We don't know how many bumps are in the road. Listen, this woman had no, she, there is no way on earth she could possibly know what it would have meant to carry and to give birth to and to watch the life of God's son. There is no way, humanly, physically, there's no way. But it didn't matter to her. She says, here I am. Use me. It scares us. If you have this verse in your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, check it out here. The NLT stands for New Living Translation. It's just a little bit easier to understand. But we start in verse 15. If you're with me, Let's go. Verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, Jesus has been born. Angel comes to the shepherds, says, hey dudes, you know, don't be scared. Chill out. It's happened. He's over there. And they didn't want to miss it. The shepherds had been told what had happened by an angel as well. Come check out what God has done. When God revealed something to them, they were ready to experience it. Sometimes we, we get held back and say, no, 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 God, you have this thing for me, but I don't want to get too caught up in it because I don't, want, I don't want to give what it costs, God. I don't want to give what it costs. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too comfortable. And most of the time the cost is not financial. Sacrificial living to become a greater follower of Jesus Christ is giving everything you have. And these shepherds did not. I mean, if you had an angel come to you in the middle of the field and they said something that was going on, I would probably go. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you were like, that wasn't even an angel. And you just deny everything I have. I want to go. If somebody, if somebody came and told me that Mike Matheny was signing autographs at about 12 noon, and he's not, okay? I don't think so. They're playing today, I think. If, they, if you told me, so nobody, nobody rushed the mall, okay? I don't, Mike Matheny's probably not there. But if he was, I said, Mike Matheny's at the, at the Mount Vernon, at the, at the mall. Man, I'm there. I love Mike Matheny. I love to watch him play. I was a catcher. He's a, he's a cool dude. By the way, a great follower of Jesus Christ. I want to go get his autograph. I want to meet him. These shepherds are the same thing. Hey, guys, he's here. Go see him. Go check him out. Look at verse 16. They hurried. No, they didn't walk. I don't think they walked. I think they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. You have any idea what it might have been like to be there? No one knew the magnitude no one knew that that baby that was laying there would set a course of history that is still reverberating today that started then. He started a revolution. 
He was bigger than the king of pop and the, and, and, and the king of rock and roll. And he was bigger than the Beatles and Duck Dynasty put together. He was a revolutionary. He started a revolution. He started an opportunity for people to have a relationship with the Father. But after seeing in verse 17, after seeing them, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Now, cool story, right? Look at, look at verse 18. Look how cool it was. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Not like they were lied to, like it was absolutely, totally incredible. I went to a Cardinals game one time in St. Louis with two of my buddies. I had to get home. They live in Missouri. I had to drive back to Mount Vernon. And I, I left after the game was over. And they said, we're going to get some autographs. I said, man, I've tried to do this before. You can wait all, the, all day by their cars when they come out, but there's no way. And I get about to Oakville. <laughs> and I look at my phone. It was legal then. I look at my phone. And I see that I have a picture. There's no way that's who it is. And I had chose not to wait. Right? Because I had to get home. Could have waited a half hour, though, for real. It's my two buddies standing with Mike Matheny. Oh, joy. Look what I missed. But I was astonished. because you know, Where did you find that lookalike? Probably was my next text back. That's not really him. I was astonished. I'm like, man, that doesn't ever happen. You, know, you guys are so lucky. But these people that the shepherds told, they were astonished. They was like, holy cow. Wow. It's much like this. It's much like somebody comes to me and they say, man, Matt, your dad was a pastor, your grandpa was a pastor, your other grandpa was a deacon, and they, you've been involved in the church since you were negative years old. I have been. Right here. I was negative. And so you can't possibly understand what it's like to have my life. And what I say is this. You don't possibly understand that you think you know half about what my life was like. And I talked to him about a relationship with my dad that wasn't there, a relationship with my mom that was broken. Then I tell them this side of the story. I said, but you have no idea how God has healed this. You have no idea how God has grown me. And sometimes it's exactly what that person needs to hear, and they leave the conversation, not because it's me, but because it's God, and they leave it astonished. I can't believe that video that we saw. If you've known half the stuff that I've done, we don't want you in church. Let me tell you something. This church is open for anyone. Anyone. Because Jesus died for everybody. I'm not going to get on the outside of the box and say, no, no, no. Those doors are open. And when those people come in here and we realize that, that, that God has not abandoned us, and we can go from this part of our life and He can walk with us because people choose to lose. They walk beside you through that mud. Some of you right here can nod your head and, un- and complete understanding that five years ago you weren't the same person as you are today. Two weeks ago you weren't the same person as you, as you are today. God is in the business of completely remodeling, transforming lives. And when people hear even these statements today about my life, about your life, they can be astonished. I told you the story of the lady that I, that I went to college with. She was a buddy of mine's mom. And I did a wedding back in Fayette. I was a minister. I, I, did, I performed the ceremony. At the reception, she comes up to me. She goes, I can't believe you're a pastor. She said these magic words. She says, I knew you in college. There's no way that you can be a pastor. You know what I said to her? I'm so very glad that I'm not defined by my past. She didn't really have anything else to say. I didn't say it smarter, like I just said, I'm so glad that God works in my life like he does. And she was astonished. Oftentimes we hear people give stories and acclamation of what God has done, and we say, ah, it's a little out there, isn't it? Or say, man, that's too good to be true. Hmm. Think about how they feel. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They're going and they're talking. Moms, can you have, can we, do we even understand how uncomfortable Mary is? I doubt it. We even understand how exhausted they are? I doubt it. She had to give birth outside. Anybody have to do that? Maybe. I don't know. She did. Look at this. 
This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Look at the next verse. Luke 2.19, But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. See, for a lot of people, they say, Oh, she just sat there and she's like, Oh, I love you so much, baby. I think she said that. I think she was thankful. I think in her mind, in her whole body, she was having a worship service because she was probably so unbelievably humbled at what had happened. Can you think about how she's felt the previous nine months and how much ridicule she's taken? Mary, there's no way that you and Joseph haven't slept together. That's how it works. You understand that, right? It doesn't happen. There's never been somebody that's gotten pregnant without having sex before. So why should we believe you? To sit there and to think. I think this. I think Mary thought about these things in her heart. And I think these things, these things is all we're told. Mary kept all these things, all the hustle, all the bustle, all the visitors, all the gifts, all that happened. Oh, Joseph, you remember that time when, when we had Jesus and we, can't, we, couldn't have, we couldn't have the baby inside because there was no room and we had to go to the barn? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And, I, and she has all these memories of this, of this day, the angel, seeing her sister. All these, different, all these different emotions. And right here, I love this, it says that she keeps these things in her heart and she thought about them often because I think this. I think she took it all in because later in Jesus' life, he would be rejected by his own people. And right here it says that she thought about them often. He would, her son would be mocked, beaten, whipped. And it would have been in these times where Mary would have had to close her eyes and go right back here. And think about the good things. Think about how he came into this world. Realize that God had a plan. We find ourselves doing the same thing a lot. My life can never get better. My life is a runaway train going downhill into a black hole. There is no reverse and there's no brakes. And this is when the time that God says this. He told Paul in the New Testament to write, Think on the things that are pure and holy. Don't think of the things of the world. Think of me. Think of the the truth that I give you. But to do this means that you have to give up the way that you want to think. And that's sacrificing. That's choosing to lose. You have to pick the way that you want to think. God, I have no idea how this test is going to come back. You're in control. I've prayed this prayer before. God, if we're not supposed to have kids... Give me and Mary the opportunity to put into some children or to adopt children. I've prayed that prayer. I said this with my wife standing right beside me. I said, God, if we're supposed to have children, we will worship you. And if we are not supposed to have children, we will worship you still. And that is an unbelievable prayer that I could not pray. And she could not pray on her own. It came from right here. All these things. God works for the good of all those who love him. And we think, oh, that's just a cop-out. and You know, give me a new truck. God doesn't work in, in, in silly genie blessings like that. But Mary, right here, teaches us so much. She said, ah, these things, these things, I have to hold on to. If you have your worship handout with you this morning, if you got hand one of these gray pieces of paper, you can open to the front. There's some worship uh, handout blanks. We're going to go through the, the sermon. There's going to be a couple things to, to fill out if you, want to, if you want to do that. But the first blank is this. Thinking about good things that are good and not concentrating on the negatives of this world will help you through life struggles. True or false? True. You guys have heard this analogy many, many times. But if I had a piece of poster board that was this big, as big as that black curtain, and it was solid snow white... And I took a black marker, and I walked up to right here, and I put a black dot about the size of a checker. And I said, what do you see? You would say, I see the black dot in the bottom of the center of the page. You pay no attention to the 99% of things that is perfectly white. We always focus on negative. It's it's so easy. Celebrate Recovery has taught me to do this. Yes, yes, you have struggles. Yes, there's things to work on. Keep your inventory balanced. Keep it balanced. It's so easy to go runaway train down in the black hole. Oh, I do this wrong. I do this wrong. I'm bad at this. I don't do this well. My life is falling apart when we don't realize that you've got to wake up today. You've you got to have lunch later. You've got to have breakfast. You've got to drive here. Your car started. 
Maybe. Hope so. First time. We got to come to church. It's, it's, it's awesome. Sometimes I have one of the worst weeks that I just think I can have, and I go Sunday morning, I go in and wake the girls up, and I said, do you know what today is? And Emma, or Emma, usually Lydia. Lydia's the youngest one. Lydia doesn't walk anywhere. She kind of bounces. And I said, Lydia, what is today? She goes, church. It's not, it's not a have to. It's a want to. She wants to go. She wants to be around her friends. She wants to learn about this God that can help her through these life struggles. I knew a man that had a lot of money. He never married, but he had a lot of money. He had a big home. This is kind of my dream home. He had a log cabin. He had a huge lake in front of his house in the middle of the country. Absolutely beautiful. And he would go through life, and often when things didn't go his way, I have a friend that would impersonate this guy. He can do it really good. And when things didn't go this way, the man that owned all this stuff would say this, I never win. You know anybody like that? Don't say it out loud. Maybe it's you. I never win. Everything's always against me. I can't ever win. God, can you just let me win one time? And God says, if you just wake up, all you're doing is staring at the black dot on the bottom of the page. You have no idea about the 99%. You won't look at it. Because it's so easy for us to say, negative, 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 negative. And God says, do you understand what I've given you? Dad, my dad went to, went to high school in Fairfield, and there was a, there was a, he had a classmate who was paralyzed from the neck down. He and two or three other guys went in, and they asked, and they said, we would like to pray for you to be healed. We want to pray that God would just work in your life. And they never got to pray. Now watch this. We're talking about a guy that understood how to think and how to think on things and that thinking of God could get him through life struggle. This man is paralyzed from the neck down. He looks at my dad and his two friends. He said, he said, guys, I don't have any doubt that God could heal me, but watch this. He said, me laying in this bed completely paralyzed, giving God the glory for my life, I'll get to talk to way more people than if I was walking upright like you. <laughs> That's tough. God has given you this. God has given me this. We want to say, oh, it's just all negative. Listen, it's okay to go to the pity party. When life happens, it's okay to go to the pity party, but know when to leave. If you have a bad day, hey, I have bad days, so do you. It's okay to go to the pity party. Know when to leave. Don't live there. Mary took this opportunity to think on these beautiful things that have happened. She would recall them later in life when things got difficult. Look at verse 20, if you will. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just, the, it was just as the angel had told him. I've often mentioned the Great Depression, and I mention the Great Depression not because I'm that old, but my grandfather grew up during the Great Depression. And he would tell, he would tell he just, until he died, he would tell me, Matthew, when, when America only has God left, you will, God will be able to do things here that you can't understand. I said, how many, why did you have such a full church in, in, in the Great Depression? He said, God was the only thing that people had. And he wrote a poem. I have it at my house. It's about a guy named Henry Jamerson. And he's from the metropolis city south of Fairfield called Mill Shoals. And my grandpa went to the Pentecostal church in Mill Shoals during the Great Depression. They didn't have any money to help clean the church, but this guy would come to church, and they didn't have anything. But the one thing that my grandpa remembered and why he wrote the, wrote, wrote the poem was this. Henry Jamerson would leave the church after they would have church, and he walked everywhere. They, nobody had a car. And my grandpa remembers that on a, on a night where it wasn't windy, it wasn't raining, he could hear him sing three blocks away from the church all the way home. He, he would tell me stories. He said, he said I cannot... Get over the things that I heard the man say, the things, how happy he was. He said the man didn't have anything. He probably wore at one time half his wardrobe. And he just wore the other half the next day. Or maybe not. But he was so happy. He goes on in verse 21. I think, I think, these, I think these shepherds were probably going back to the fields a little bit like they had some Red Bull. They have wings maybe. In verse 21, eight days later when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. Why? Because the angel told him to. The name given by him by the angel even before he was conceived. 
Mary and Joseph, with Jewish practices, they did them because they did what God wanted them to do. They were Jewish people. They followed the law. Now listen, Jesus has come to get, do away with the law, but he hasn't done it yet. They're still following, they were still doing what God asked them to do. They were doing the law of Moses. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. Look at verse 22 with me. Then it was time for the purification offering. As required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child, so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So, now they're on a road trip again. They go to Jerusalem. Now they have to offer something. Mary and Joseph took him to church. I told you when I was growing up. And you think that, that I just, just make these stories up, but I'm telling you, this is, this is true. I did not have an, op- an option. My house did not have an option about what we did on Sundays. I got voluntold. It's like I actually had a choice, but I really didn't. You're going to church. That's what we do. We had friends over. The only, the only requirement, if a friend stayed in my house on Saturday night, they had to go to church with me. I was like, man, they just... Force church down your throat. Listen, I thank my family every single time that I talk to them about this subject for taking me to church. Jesus' parents did the same thing. We want you to be in relationship with people. We want you to be around fellow believers. We want you to have that support system. Mary, or many of us here might be in church right now because maybe it was mom or grandma or your neighbor lady that brought you to church for the first time. Maybe your parents didn't go, but some of us are in church right now because somebody chose to lose, and they chose to invite you, they chose to bring you because it's important. Jesus' mom and dad did the same thing. Look at verse 23. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Jesus came to do away with the law. He has not done away with the law. So the law of Moses is still in effect. You see two people here in the scripture that we can just fly by, but they're doing exactly what God required them to do. They took no shortcuts. It was not convenient just to go to Jerusalem. It was, listen, they had no cars. This is not convenient. They have a brand new kid, by the way. How convenient is it, moms? Eight days old, ready? To do anything outside your home. Go to the store. How about this? When they get a little bit older, how easy is it to use the bathroom or take a shower by yourself? You're laughing because you know. You're in the bathroom and you close the door. And suddenly everybody has to go when you do. You know this. You have kids. But these people are doing exactly what God wants them to do. It's not convenient. It is not convenient for these two people to take this young, young, young child to Jerusalem, but God said it was necessary, and they said, God, if you think it's necessary in my life, then it is. There was no second guessing. They went. Now, this is where we get into something that the Jewish people didn't like, why they didn't think it was Jesus. They offered their sacrifice required in in the law of the Lord. On the very last line, it says, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is, for a, this is a very meek, a very normal, very socially low offering. These birds did not cost much. They're not walking a bull into town, folks. See, the Jewish people wanted David. Big David. They wanted rich like Solomon. They wanted the king, the Messiah to come. And he's going to rule because he's rich and he's powerful. And he was born outside. He was laid in a feeding trough. And his parents were not wealthy. He was ordinary. He came from an ordinary... He was not ordinary. He came from an ordinary background. Offering birds meant that you did not have a lot of money. These people were just like us, okay? In all reality, probably socially lower than a lot of us. If you have your worship handout, check out the next blank. It says, Mary and Joseph did what God wanted them to do. Now, some of you just take this for granted. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did, okay. You don't, if you, unless you've had children, maybe you have nieces, nephews, when they're really young. Take a kid that's potty training, go to Walmart. Tell me, how long you get, tell me how long it takes you to get your, get your groceries. See, it's, it's not convenience. God says that we believe this lie. We believe that when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, when we become a Christian, a church where we become that person, we think this. We're told this. My life is going to be free and clear. I'm going to be everything. I got my get out of jail, you know, get out of hell free card. Everything's going to be cake. Jesus Christ said the exact opposite when he called the disciples. He said, you and you and you and you and you and you, you're all going to lose your life. 
It's not going to be convenient. It's going to cost you, watch this, not money, not your ha- it's going to cost you everything that you have. The rich young ruler came to Jesus in the New Testament. He said, Jesus, I want to follow you. He said, okay. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to sell everything you have. Now, whether that was a real story or a metaphor, it means the same thing. You're going to give your whole life to be a follower of Christ. How God wants you to follow. But Mary and Joseph did what God wanted them to do, even when it wasn't convenient. God directed their lives. We can see that. Just, just in these two or three verses, we can see that God directed their lives because they did what he asked them to do. Just, I remember when our girls were this little, trying to do anything. We were, we were at the primary center seven years ago, and Mary and I, Mary became pregnant. And for two years, I can tell you about convenience. For two years, we drove from Robinson, Illinois, to the primary center every Sunday with a newborn to two. Wow. I know where every rest area stop is. I know where every restaurant is, is on, this, on this 57 and, and, uh, and uh, you go on 33 from Effingham, the highways. I know exactly minute per minute when the next one is. I know how long, we, I know how long a stretch we can go. I know what happened. We, we learned this. We learned how to feed Emma so she would sleep all the way to church. We did. Look at verse 25. At this time, or at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Let me tell you something. If a biblical writer like Luke wrote that you were righteous and devout, guess what? You were. Because he, Luke would have investigated Simeon. He would have talked to people that knew Simeon. And he would investigate everything about his life. And if, it, if it's written down in the book of Luke, we are told that the book of Luke is one of the most accurate books in the, in the entire Bible. If you, can you imagine when somebody thought about you like this? What if somebody thought you were, you were righteous and devout? Think about that. Two adjectives that somebody could use about you. Think about how good this guy is a spiritual stud. And he's been promised that he gets to see the Messiah before he dies. He's been promised that in the Old Testament. Now watch this. He eagerly waited for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. He had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. God told him a prophetic message. Simeon, you're going to hang on to this life. You're going to keep breathing air until you see the Messiah. But until then, you keep doing what I want you to do. And so many times we want to say, oh, retire, cash out, see ya. Listen, no. No, no, no. No. The people that are near that age have something that I don't, have something that other young people don't. You have experience in life and you can, you've understand a lot more about life and what God can do. Those are the people that should be putting in, mentoring, raising up this new group of kids that are coming up. You're valuable. You're so valuable. So valuable. Your, your knowledge. I've sat in on other connect groups at different times and the unbelievable biblical knowledge that some of you have is just blows me away. And that's the type of stuff that we need to put now. When we choose to do that, we choose to lose because it's not convenient to meet every, every week for 45 minutes with a person and, and go over scripture and ask them how their week was and really dive into their life and walk with them. It's not convenient But Simeon, this guy was waiting to see what God was going to do. Can you imagine anticipation? This had to be be a little bit weird, though. Think about it. God told them you would stay alive until you saw the Messiah. How long after I see the Messiah am I just going to drop dead? (laughs) But he says, until the Lord has revealed the Messiah to you, you're going to keep breathing. Until Until you see that, until you see that your work is not done, though. Keep doing it. Keep pouring into people. Keep teaching. What would happen if we had this man's faith to wait on God like that? Listen, Simeon realized that God had promised him something. He didn't quit doing what he was supposed to do until God gave it to him. He was patient. He was faithful. Look at verse 27. That day the Spirit led them to the temple. Shocker. Joseph and Mary take Jesus to church again. Listen, they continue to put, they make good decisions here. You have to understand, this is relevant in 2015. 
Because why? Because the Bible is timeless. It's ageless. It makes sense today and it made sense then. No other book in the history of this world can do that. None. None. It says this, So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Now, you want to talk about probably somebody that had a little bit of a shouting fit. This dude probably got all kinds of happy. This is him. This, this, this is him. I've waited. Can you imagine the I have waited my entire life. You know why it's a big deal? Because he knew, he knew the magnitude of this guy, this baby. He knew it. Because in the verse before that, it says he was waiting on God's Messiah that would come and rescue Israel. Guess what? He rescued the whole world. And Simeon got to hold of him. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, look at verse 29. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now, just keep that on the, keep that on the screen right now. Many parents just would, would give vast amount of money, amounts of money to hear this. Your son or daughter played a great game today. Wow. Three for four, a double of two home runs. Man, your slugging percentage is off the chart. You got a first play. I happen to know the, the girl that just won the, the uh, state um, uh, 100 meter dash at, at, at last week's uh, track meet. And I know one of our kids is back to back 800 meter champion. In state. The one is a 7th grader and an 8th grader. And I could go up to Cole and say, Cole, you were the fastest kid in the 800 in the state of Illinois. Which is actually a lie because they don't run against all the kids in the state of Illinois. But out of his group, he is. Two times. You're the best. You're the best. My, in college, say, I would just yearn for these, these, these words that didn't mean really anything for eternity. Matt, you're hitting the ball really good. Thanks. You get a start tomorrow. Yeah. You're going to address varsity. Sweet. And we just yearn to hear all these words about these, these things. Your daughter is so intelligent. Look at her grades. Hey, I teach school. Grades are very important. That's a big deal. But listen to what I'm saying. We get hung up on all this stuff. They're good compliments and are very important. But can you imagine what Mary and Joseph thought about that son when they stood in the temple and listened to Simeon say this? He is a light to reveal God to all the nations. And He is the glory of your people Israel. Simeon is singing worship songs to God about their kid. He's not ordinary but even this extraordinary baby would go through times that were very difficult for his parents even the kid that has a 500 batting average has difficult times in this world where his mom and dad have to think on the things that are good look at verse 33 Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him yeah Put yourself in their spot. He's what? <laughs> oh, we, we knew he was going to be special, but wow, this is... Wow. 34, then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother. Get ready. Here you go. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. Basically what Simeon is saying, he said this baby, this man is going to go against a whole lot of tradition. He's here to break down walls that haven't been broken ever. Because God is going to make a new covenant with His people through this baby. And He says this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but He will be a joy to many others. There will be days that are hard, and there will be days like when He fed the 5,000. Like when He healed the lame and healed the sick. There will be those days, but there are also going to be days of dark. 
There are going to be days, Mary, that you're going to have to ponder the things that you pondered at the manger. You're going to have to think about them. And that's what our moms do. They've chosen to lose. He goes on. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. You, you imagine this? She, she, they just heard this worship song. Now they're hearing many is going to oppose him. Simeon was telling Mary this through God. He was saying this. This life will not be easy. As a follower of Jesus Christ, this life is not going to be easy. We will not tell you that it is. Jesus himself said, you're going to lose your life. 11 out of the 12, they did. And the other one got exiled. Shunned. And as much as they wanted to put a damper and they want to put that fire out, 2,000 years later, we're still showing up, people are still writing songs about them, and we're still giving them praise and worship and honor in our services. 2,000 years later, the fire didn't get put out. God never said, by the way, that our life would be a cakewalk. I've checked out the Bible. I wanted, I wanted something to just get my mind out of that, and I wanted to not believe anything. I, wanted, I, I have searched the Bible. Not anywhere does God say this. After you become a follower of me, your life's going to be a cakewalk. Never, ever, ever, ever. There's no Hebrew translation of the word cakewalk. Nothing. There's no Greek translation. There's nothing. Jesus tells them, he says, when you follow me, there's going to be hurt. Jesus said, I can make your yoke easier. <laughs> but he's also talking about giving you hope. But God never said it would be easy. This is a lie that we want to buy into. Here's a statement. God never says that following him will always be easy. God says it will always be worth it. It won't be, all, it won't be always easy, but it will be worth it. My grandpa passed away in 2001... And he had a little thing. My grandma still has it outside on her door in Wayne City. It's this little thing. It says, it says preaching on the top. It says, preaching. Or he, said, uh, he said, preaching doesn't make me a lot of money. But my retirement's out of this world. <laughs> See, the, this mom and dad are, are being told these things. Simeon's like, you're, you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to ponder these things. You guys are going to be in for a ride. Look at 35. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. So as a parent, Mary sits back and Joseph sits back and they say, whoa, time out. As a result of our son being the savior of the world, it's going to cause trouble. And Simeon was saying this. It's going to cause people to have to change. And whenever they change, they don't like it. If they have to believe something different, they don't like it. Jesus is going to change the course of the history of the world. He's going to offer salvation that's never been there before. Sometimes in this life we say, Oh, I just want the answer and let's run. If you have your worship handout, let's look at that last one. It says this, Mary and Joseph did not have all the answers to what Jesus would do in his life. God chose them because he seeks people that are in tune with what he wants to do. God seeks people that are in tune with what he wants to do. And I want to ask you a question this morning. What radio station are you listening to? I don't care if you're listening to 89.7 or 90.9. I don't care if you're listening to 94.1 or rocking out with 106.9. I don't care what's on your radio station. But I care about what radio station, how in tune are you with God? Can he even get to you or you just listen to static? Because you choose where that dial is, by the way. God used Mary and Joseph because she said, here I am. Turn the radio station wherever you want to. You can speak to me when you want to. In our connect groups in the last month, we've, we've seen a couple of people like this. Abraham, here I am. What guts. What, what unbelievable faith. God is seeking people that are in tune with what He wants to do. But here's, here's the problem, here's the hang-up for us. The in tune people are the ones that have to choose to lose. 
there was a person at the dunk party that was sitting over in one of the chairs. And I didn't hear this. Was told, this was told uh, to me by someone that was in the back of the line. And it was a member of Connection that was waiting to eat. I was very proud of them after I got hold of this. This is really cool. One person asked him, hey, the line's going down. Are you going to eat? I'm going to wait till the end. I'm supposed to choose to lose, right? I'm just glad he pays attention. Yeah, we're supposed to choose to lose. Now listen, because, because of that, that one person and everybody else that was here, they created an environment for that man and his family to come up to me and say, I've never experienced, I've never experienced this closeness. You know what? We don't experience that closeness unless there's a whole lot of people that choose to give, they choose to lose their life. It's the people that, that, that vacuum the stage and clean the bathroom. It's the people that make the popcorn and the coffee. They create that environment so we can show others how big God is and how He chooses to love us. But God is seeking the people that are in tune, that want to do what God wants us to do. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today because you say, you know what, I want to do... You're you're like Paul. In the New Testament, Paul says, the things that I want to do, I end up not doing. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Wow, aren't you glad that we don't have new problems? They've been around for a couple days. God is seeking people that are in tune. He's seeking people that are choosing to lose, voluntarily giving of their lives. There's an opportunity, Saturday, 2 o'clock. If you're not busy, listen, I, I get life happens. You can't go to all of them, okay? Saturday, 2 o'clock, Roland Lewis Building. We're going to do something really cool as a church. If you want, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You've got to show up. God is seeking for people to give, people to sacrifice. I'm so thankful. So many stories that we can see in our church, even being this, this young, see these stories of these people that have, that have come in like a railroad train that was going downhill into the black pit, and people came, and they gave their life to walk beside them. And God used the stories in their life. God used the experiences of their life to speak into them, to walk beside them through this life. And now those people are five, six, seven years old after, after this bad thing has happened. And I can go up to them right now. I could, go, I could walk up to them right now. I'm not going to. I could walk up to them right now and ask them by name and say, how is your life different? Some of them would say this. Without having that person. I had this person tell me in the last two weeks, one person said this to me. They said, if somebody had not come by me, if somebody had not given their life to show me that I mattered, there is no way on earth I would be in church today. I had completely ruled God out. I'd get, I said, no, I'm, not, I'm out. Listen, that connection happened from somebody that was in tune. And like Mary... Sometimes when that, when that ball is rolling the wrong way and we think negative and we think negative and we think negative, God says this, I want you to take these things, I want you to realize how good I am and I want you to think about them. You think about how good I am. You think about the things that I've brought you out of this life. You think of the blessings that I've given you. Man, some, some of us, we get to go and eat lunch right now. I hope that food tastes so good. I hope you... I hope you eat it slow. I have to eat quickly at work. I hope you eat it slow and enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy being around your family. Enjoy being around the people that you're sitting beside this morning. Before you leave church today, I want you to give three people high fives that you didn't come here with. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you that... I just thank you, God, that you equip people to do works... In your name, God, and you work through us. God, I have no idea. I do not understand this formula, and I do not know how you use people like me. But you said you do, so I believe you. God, and people that are broken, and we don't have it all together, and you say, well, that's okay. You don't have to come with me with all the puzzle put together. You bring me the pieces, and I'll put it together. God, we love you. We love you. God, thank you for our mothers. Thank you for our grandmothers. Thank you for all the women in this building today, God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The things they've chosen to lose for us. 
as they get recognized today with maybe flowers or lunch. God, let us remember that mother named Mary that knew when things got hard later in life, she knew where to turn. God, let us think on these things, things that are pure and holy, things that are good, things that are of you. In your name we pray. Amen.